Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Be seated. Is he not good, man? Can we just praise God? Can we thank him, man? Man, yeah, yeah. Man, he's good. Wow. Um, Please don't die. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, we can... Sorry, I was a little distracted. Uh, We continue this morning um, in our worship, and worship is a lifestyle. It's not just a moment. It's not with chords. It's not with strings. It's a lifestyle. It's your heart. And so I, I just want to say thank you so much for, for loving the Lord in the way you do, um, outside and inside these walls, and also through your generous giving and offering and your tithes. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that, just touching on that a little bit later, um, of why we're grateful. There was an experience this week that many experienced that. So, um, man, I'm missing one thing. I don't think I miss, here we go. Good deal. All right. This is this is the this is the last leg, man, uh, the last leg of forward, and uh, this ever since we started this series, um, this word even before this series, that's why we named the series forward. But ever since we started this series, this word has been in front of me, like no joke. Uh, yesterday, I came home from a meeting uh, around two thirty, three o'clock. And I was heading to the kitchen, and I wanted to eye the score of the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game because I really wanted Notre Dame to lose. We obviously know what happened there. Um, but as I eyed the TV going to the kitchen, I saw on a helmet from Wisconsin the word forward. And I was, like, curious, like, what in the world? Um, and so I, I researched the word forward. These are the forward jerseys for Wisconsin. They're unleashed yesterday uh, for the Notre Dame game um, and for the Shamrock Bowl, apparently. And so I, I looked this up. I was like, why, why is the word forward on their helmet? Because apparently the, the W, the logo on their, on their helmet is a motion W. That's what they call it. It's a motion W. So I looked it up, and actually, back in 1851, three years after Wisconsin was established as a state, they wanted to create a new seal for Wisconsin. And two guys were sitting on the stairs of uh, the Wall Street Bank, and they were coming up with the seal, and they said, our motto is going to be forward. They agreed on it flat out very clear, very quickly. Our motto for Wisconsin is forward because they wanted to be on the leading edge in our nation. Um, an interesting thought. I was thumbing through Facebook in, a, in a, a moment of I needed to zone out for a second, and I came across a coffee advertisement that said coffee forward. I was like, are you kidding me? Two weeks ago, sitting by the Grand Lake St. Mary's, I opened up a book and started into a book. And not even within four pages, the first story led to a knight's motto of forward. Folks, there's something about forward. We are called to be faith forward. When Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew by the side of the Sea of Galilee, He said, follow me. Just a little bit later, James and his brother John, he said, follow me. A little bit later up in Capernaum, he comes across a guy by the name of Levi. We know him to be Matthew. 
And he was doing his jobby job. He was working at the tax collecting booth. And Jesus said, follow me. Literally meaning, come here after me. Forward. Before Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he laid out the basic requirements for those who call themselves disciples, who bear his name, and he said, go and make disciples of all peoples. Literally meaning, in your going, be making disciples. Forward. We are called to have a forward faith. Peter caught this. Peter somehow caught this at some point where he understood it. And in his second letter, he said, make every effort to add to our faith. Goodness. Meaning, faith, when you go forward, you're to add to it. It's not stagnant. It's not latent. It's not subterranean. It's on the surface. And he said, add to it. Add to it goodness. Go forward in your faith and have goodness. And when you keep going forward with your goodness, bring knowledge. And when you, when you have forward knowledge and goodness, bring self-control. Add that to it. Add your, to your faith. May your faith continue to go forward to self-control. Perseverance. Oh, Peter, what are you talking about, man? Perseverance. And to perseverance, he says, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly love. And to brotherly love, love. Brotherly kindness, love. One of our major weapons, faith, hope, and love. Love. Peter understood that your call to faith is a call forward in your faith. And in order for your faith to go forward, it's got to endure. Peter understood this, that as you're adding to your faith, as you're moving forward in your faith, you've got to persevere. Paul, Paul himself, or the author of Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance, with endurance, with long-suffering. Let's keep going, the race marked out for us. And Paul, he said, to the church in Philippi. He said, for one thing I do, we said this a few weeks ago, for one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in his funeral words, in his own epitaph, in 2 Timothy, he reminds Timothy, and all of us, that he endured, that his, his call forward in his faith, that he endured it, that he said, hey, man, the time has come for my departure, meaning I'm ready to go. I'm going to die here soon. But I want to let you know, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Paul reminds us that he is an example of faith forward and enduring in his faith. But we got to remind ourselves: does Paul talk in, in ethereal, out there in somewhere land? No. Look at just the tip of the resume of pain that he enlists, that he draws out in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times, five. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. It is said that if you receive 40, that was the death blow. They wanted you to suffer just to the point of death. He said three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not in the way of Colorado, okay? No, people were throwing rocks at him to kill him, Okay? Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. This is just the beginning of his resume of pain, folks. And Paul says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. This doesn't sound like we're signing up for anything really, really great, does it? 
Paul, you're telling me that this is a race, that this is a race of endurance, that this is a race of long-suffering. What happens when there's obstacles? You said this is a good fight. What happens when, when I'm, I'm trying to move forward in my faith and I get punched in the face? And usually with me in a fight, there's two hits, me hitting, getting hit in the face and me hitting the floor. Those are the two hits in my fight. What do you do when you try to move forward? And every step forward feels like a step backward. What do you do when the powers that be don't recognize the value that you bring to the organization, to the job, to the team? And they don't empower you to be what you thought you should be for the organization. What happens when you strain forward to break the habit, to master the sin, to save the dollar and not be in debt? What happens when you try to hold your tongue and not say the thing you want to say? What happens when that habit that you try to break breaks you? That sin you try to master, masters you. When the tongue that you try to hold, you wish you wouldn't have said it, but you did. What happens when that attitude comes out? When the frustration and the disappointment come and bust off the lid, what do you do? Might there be a way? Might there be a way that we're supposed to endure, supposed to persevere to push through when there is a setback and you're trying to go forward might there be something out there maybe it's a characteristic maybe it's a quality maybe it's a skill maybe it's it's something that we can develop or do what is it where is it do we ever talk about it is there a secret because if this is a forward faith in Christ Jesus our Lord and there are obstacles, there are adversity in our life. Whether you know Christ or not, there's adversity, right? Is there something out there that helps us move forward when we have a setback? I'd kind of like to know. Well, there is. It's called resilience. Resilience is something that we don't talk about in the church. We don't often talk about this anyway, whether we're in the church or outside the church. We often talk about character, integrity, purity, and holiness, which all those are important, and definitely we need to have those conversations more often than not. We talk about leadership periodically. But what we don't very talk often about is resilience. Because resilience also deals with mental health, doesn't it? And that's a taboo topic in the church. And it's actually a taboo topic in communities all around. But resilience is something that's the secret, that's the commodity. See, Erwin McManus on the Battle Ready podcast, he, he defines resilience this way. The ability to adapt to unforeseen, unexpected circumstances in your life. Kevin Jack, he's the pastor at Be Hope Church in, in Beaver Creek. It's Beaver Creek Church of the Nazarene. That was the old, old title, and now it's Be Hope Church. In his leading, podca- leading Hope podcast, he says, he, he actually defines it in a lot of different places, and I try to smash it all together. He says, resilience is the ability to withstand and recover quickly from difficult conditions. How many of you have experienced adversity, unforeseen, unexpected circumstances, and difficult conditions within the last week? Yep. I mean, the reason, uh, today I'm preaching about this resilience thing, and this week has just been a really, really long, hard, rough, running week. And I'm thinking, Lord, you have a, a very odd, weird sense of humor, or there's a lot of irony in life. 
continues. The ability to keep going in your faith and going in life for the long haul. Resilience enables you to persevere when everything in you wants to quit. How many quitters do we have in here? I am prone to quitting. It is like almost second nature for me. I'm prone to quitting. Started when I quit band in like fifth grade. (laughs) I didn't want to practice. And he says a setback followed by a comeback. And then Sheryl Sandberg in her book, Option B, releasing all her grief and telling us about how she developed resilience. She said resilience is strength and speed of our response and adversity. Resilience for us, we'll just define it this way. I like simple, the comeback or the bounce back from the setback. Resilience is the comeback from the setback, the bounce back from the setback. It's, it's this ability to, when you're in life and adversity strikes in you, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. Let's try that again. There's the setback, right? Life does have downward motions. But apparently this ball doesn't have the ability to rebound, to come back. It's missing something. What's it missing? Oh yeah, it's definitely missing some air. I got enough hot air for it. The ability to bounce back. What does this have the other ball doesn't? Air. Let me just tell you one thing that you have that the world doesn't is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came in on, the la- on, on Resurrection Sunday, on that evening, and he walked through those walls and everybody peed their pants. Because I would. First thing he said was, peace be with you. Second thing he did was he breathed on them his halitosis, his holy halitosis. But he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. You have someone in you that enables you to rebound a whole lot quicker than most in the world. But I have a feeling that many of us continue to fall and we don't get up. Remember how I said when I'm in a fight, there's two hits, me, me getting hit and hitting the floor? It's the bounce back. It's the getting back up. This is a muscle that gets developed in you. with the power and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might feel like the ball that isn't rebounding, right? But it's the ability to get back up. Thing is, a lot of us don't realize that we're made to get back up. It's in your DNA. Well, let me just tell you, I mean, first of all, we believe in the comeback. When the devil and the death thought that they had overcome Christ, when the disciples were grieving the loss of their leader, when the movement was all but gone, the ultimate comeback happened three days later. It's the resurrection. Come back. Bounce back. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit entered humanity for the first time on Pentecost. Bounce back. We're designed to bounce back. Your brain has the ability to bounce back. New mercies every morning, we talk about that as scripture and as if, as if it was ethereal and out there in, in, in somewhere land, but actually it happens in your brain every day. 700 neuronal connections happen brand new in the morning. Brand new. 
when you scraped your knee as a kid or when your kid scrapes their knee, we have this uncanny ability to have a comeback. The scab comes over the, the scrape and eventually over time the scab falls off and lo and behold, your skin is almost back to normal. We have this ability to come back. So today we're going to be as practical as possible because I want us to learn how to come back, how to bounce back and bounce back quicker over time from the adversities in our life. Because if you bounce back 10 years later, that doesn't help. But if you bounce back a couple months after the whatever it may be, if you bounce back immediately from an insult, this applies to real world and real life. And it's part of our faith. It's ingrained in our faith. And guess what? We're waiting for the next comeback, right? Jesus is supposed to come back, right? That's our hope. Resilience is absolutely flooded with hope. Because in resilience, we, we know and believe that there is something better on the other side. So I want to talk to you not as a lecturer. I want to talk with you as a learner because I'm learning this. And I want to talk to you not merely as a pastor, but as a person. This is something that strikes all of us. And so let's be learners together today. Um, I'm learning a whole lot about this been learning a whole lot about this in my life, but more in the past couple years. I, I want to give you the resources that, that I've picked up over the last several weeks, or well, several years. Um, but um, So from top left to bottom right, uh, Leading Hope Podcast. On the front end of uh, Leading Hope Podcast, their first four episodes are all about resilience. Um, why it matters, how to develop it, um, how it applies in decision making. The Battle Ready Podcast, Season 1, um, Episode 3, phenomenal conversation between a father and a son, um, and interviewing by Erwin McManus. Uh, he is a pastor at Mosaic Church. Two years ago, Wapak Naz had a whole and holy series about mental health, and we invited Carrie Taylor in, Executive Director of Cornerstone of Hope, and we interviewed her for four weeks. Um, and the last episode actually talks about resilience and vulnerability and courage and moving forward. Uh, the two on the bottom left, Dr. Brene Brown, those two books, Daring Greatly and Rising Strong, very good um, research-based books that talk about vulnerability but also how to develop uh, you to have a comeback. Option B, Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg, I mentioned that. This is about her grief and her tragic loss of her husband and how she developed resilience over the course of that time. Bear Grylls, Mud, Sweat, and Tears. What a, what a book to listen to. It takes a long time, but that man is a resilient, resilient man. And Flaming Hot, I'm going to mention this here in a little bit, Richard Montanez. These are just books, they're real life stories, and they're actually applicable. I would suggest that either you listen, that you watch, and we're going to have a whole lot of scripture today. So let's just go ahead and continue the journey here, uh, because resilience is a choice. Kevin Jack said, before resilience is a skill, a competency, ability, a part of your character, it is a choice. Folks, we talked about how, how forward choices create your future. In its simplest form, it is the choice of getting up. It's determining now that when you get knocked down, whether it's by a life circumstance, by someone or something, that you are going to determine today that you're going to get up, that you're not going to lay on the mat, and allow the circumstance to define you because you're not defined by your circumstance. You're not defined by your life situation. You're defined by the creator in Christ. You're created in Christ Jesus. We're his workmanship. So this is a choice day in and day out. I don't know if you've ever thought about the daily inconveniences that you have in your life. That they actually might be 
those opportunities for you to develop the bounce back, the comeback. You know, in traffic, when you're frustrated and we're all in traffic at one point or another, and guess what? When you're all in traffic, you're part of the traffic, okay? Let's just receive that, take it in. You're part of the traffic. You are traffic, but the line, the waiting, the individual that is getting under your skin, the extra added work that is put on your desk, the attitude of the child or the attitude of the adult kid who isn't really adulting very much. Daily inconveniences are actually opportunities to develop the bounce back. Because again, it's your response to adversity. It's the response to adversity. So if we don't have resilience in our life, if we don't have bounce back in the big things, we start with the little things. Resilience is a choice. Along the same line, to develop resilience, we need to become faithful and committed. Neither word is a very sexy word these days. Commitment. Faithfulness. Stick to itness. Is that even a word? I just made it up. Being faithful, particularly with the small things. We've got to remember Jesus actually saw value in the small things. Well, feeding of the 5,000. Two small fish. Five small barley loaves. Feeding the 4,000. Small fish, small loaves. Sitting on the opposite side of the treasury as he was watching the widow put in her two mites. Very small in comparison to those that were putting in large values. You want to hearken back to the Old Testament. God used the widow's little oil and it just kept pouring and pouring and pouring and she saw I have nothing except a little oil but God saw something such great much greater right Katie mentioned about the children that people were rebuking his disciples were rebuking parents, bringing their kids to Jesus. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. In them is hidden the, the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to them. And he laid his hands on and blessed them. Folks, it's the small things. Let us not forget the parable of the talents. This is the opposite of every example we just made. Parable of the talents. Jesus tells a story about a master who entrusts to three of his servants, one five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. Talent being amount of money. And he was going away. And when he came back to settle accounts to the one that he gave the smallest unit to, he called him a wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because he buried the talent. He didn't, even, he didn't even take it to the bank that it may accrue interest. It was the small thing that, that that individual was not faithful with. He was not committed to. Over and over and over, we see the small thing is so important. Resilience is a choice. Being faithful with the small thing is a choice. Being committed like I said earlier, I'm prone to quitting. I started way, way back in the day. I was a fifth grader, and I didn't want, I was way behind in my, my lessons, and I didn't want to catch up, so I quit. And my parents let me quit. And ever since that moment, there was that seed of, let's quit, put in me. So I've had to fight that in my adult life. I had to fight that even, even as a teenager in soccer and in college. I had to fight it. If you're prone to quit, let's talk about this. Here's some very clear steps. One, don't quit on a bad day. 
That's emotional. Don't quit on a bad day. I got that from my buddy Kyle. He says, never quit on a bad day. He's referring to hiking, but never quit on a bad day. I thought it was very important for our own life. Two, calculate the distance covered. Calculate the distance covered. Meaning, when you're ready to quit, when everything in you wants to quit, you need to think through and put down on paper how far you've come. How much time you've invested. How much financial resource you've invested. How much time and resource you've taken from your family. Look at the distance covered. Calculate the cost already made. Because when you quit, you lose all of that ground. And so does everybody else. And when everything in you wants to quit, step forward much harder. Go harder. As hard as you can. Three, find a growth partner. Find somebody that sharpens you. That doesn't just fluff and blow smoke in your life, but is very real with you and very honest with you. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need irons in our life. If you're doing it alone, it's so hard. And lastly, Kevin Jack had mentioned, which I thought was ridiculous until I started thinking about it, set the conditions for the quit. There are some times in life you do need to step back and you need to quit. Sometimes. Please don't write me a letter and say, Pastor, thank you for giving me permission to quit. No, 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 that's not what I said. Set the conditions for the quick before you start. Before you start whatever endeavor it is, if it's a book, if it's a job, if it's a relationship, whatever it is, if it's going to church, did he just say that? Yeah. If, he's go- if it's going to church, because this is something we need to be committed in. We need to be committed into this. Whatever it is, set the conditions before you start. Why? Back to number one. You remove the emotion. If you set the conditions, if it gets to this point, A, B, or C, it's time for me to leave. I'm now removing the emotion from the situation. I'm looking at this logically. But be faithful with the small stuff. Richard Montanez, you know him even if you don't know him. He's the creator of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Yes. Creator of the Flaming Hot Cheetos. When he started at Frito-Lay, he started at the bottom. He actually started at the very bottom. When he told his father and his grandfather that he got a job at the Frito-Lay factory, they were so excited because Richard Montanez was growing up on the wrong side of the tracks where the poor were even poorer than the other side of the tracks. And they were so excited and they said, what are you doing? What's your job? And he said, I'm the janitor. That's when his grandfather put his hands on Richard's shoulders. And he told Richard, oh, I don't want to get it wrong. He said, listen to me. When you mop the floor, you make sure that when people there see it, when anyone sees the floor, all the people will know that a Montanez mopped it. His father agreed and nodded. And then he recalls his journey and he says this, as I was to learn over time, the more you take pride in all you do, even in the smallest, most menial tasks. Always putting your name on every single thing you do, you become a person of value to your company and to yourself. The small things. Even in his journey, he had to fight and be resilient. But he started as a janitor. And he eventually became an executive. But it started with the faithfulness to the small things. Folks, If you're not faithful in the small things and what you do, where people can't see your name, 
they sure enough are not going to see the Lord's name in what you do either. Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. Make sure people see your name in the small things so that they can see Jesus' name in the small things. Be faithful and committed because, wow, that has the potential to explode. That's how you develop resilience. It's the small stuff. We think we're going to win the long game, but the long game's won in the moment, in the choice, in the small things. That's how you win the long game. The next way to develop resilience is gratitude and goodness. Folks, Scripture says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. This is Paul again, Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let the gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, re- and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He continues in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, ah, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be in you. Folks, there's power in gratitude. Literally, there's power in gratitude. On the cellular level, cellular, remember, the smallest level, a choice. Resilience is developed by choice. The smallest level, resilience is developed by being faithful and committed even to the smallest things, showing up and showing up on time, every time. The smallest things. On the neuronal level, gratitude. Gets your head out of the rut that it's in. It literally reshapes your brain on the smallest level. As we prayed earlier today, I asked you, will you tell them what you're grateful for? Will you just tell them? Often, when we're out of the bounce we're often focusing on the downward what's creating the no bounce what is the setback but when you begin to be grateful and look around in the day and name specifically the things that you can rejoice in it shifts your thinking and it shifts your mind. We learned from Carrie that 30 days of gratitude can begin to detox and begin to move you forward in your life. She said, this is something that she and Brad did as a couple. They had a notebook at their nightstand every night for 30 days. They were committed They were faithful to the small thing, but before they went to bed, regardless how tired they were, regardless of the day, they wrote five things, five specific things from the day that they were grateful for. Now, I'm just going to let you know I've not done this, but this was put into practice way early in my life from a friend of mine, Candace, in life group. If any one of us were having a bad day or outside a life group, she'd say, give me five. Give me five. And we knew what she was saying. And then we started doing that with other people because it became natural. Give me five. And we'd sit there and we'd count for them. That's one. That's one thing you're grateful for. Oh, there's two. 
it was really hard to get past one but it became a natural thing in our life I would challenge you if you're having a difficult being resilient difficult time being resilient if you want to develop that bounce back in your life the mental emotional psychological spiritual bounce back in your life start with gratitude because once you begin to become grateful for the small things and the things in your life you begin to see the goodness of God around you you actually get to see that God is good and it's not the circumstance that determines that it's actually his character and his nature focus on others by serving others it's a choice. Be committed. Be faithful to the small things. Goodness and gratitude. All of these you can do on your own. This you cannot. We're so ingrained in ourselves sometimes that it's really hard for us to see other people around us. When we focus and serve on others, it raises our eyes. In fact, it is a value and a practice here at Walpock Naz. We serve others. This is who we are and what we do. And this comes out of the scriptures because Jesus bent his knee and washed his disciples' feet and talked about being the servant is no greater than the master, the master is no greater than the servant. Over and over and over, Paul talks about serving, to one, serving one another, serving the body of Christ, serving people. It raises your eyes from your own situation. I want to thank you. And this is where I had mentioned during the offering. Um, I want to thank you as, as a body of Christ. Uh, this past Tuesday, um, we, we held our first funeral dinner in almost two years. Um, COVID definitely put a halt to that. Um, and it was for uh, the Swink family, brothers and sisters in Christ and their family. And one, I was amazed when I came back from vacation and all the little, little papers that you guys filled out. You said, hey, I'll, I'll bring in food. This is what I'll bring in, um, salad, whatever. I was amazed by that. But when I actually was starting to see people coming in, bringing food. I was a little overwhelmed, one, um, a little overwhelmed. But there's not been a funeral dinner that you have done, whether it was for somebody in the church or somebody that you didn't even know, because those happen more often than not. There's not been a funeral dinner that the family weren't so overwhelmed by the love and the generosity from you they literally saw Christ in that they literally they see it and the family expresses that some people don't know how to take that they say well, we want to give you a donation no we don't do it for that we want to be with you in your grief we want to mourn as you mourn weep as you weep laugh as you laugh, right? Rejoice as you rejoice. We want to serve you so that you can be with family. You don't have to worry about this. People were amazed by the fact that we allowed them to take food home. Like, wait, wait, no. It helped them. Like, I don't have to buy food tomorrow for work. So I want to say thank you. Focusing on serving and serving others is so important. There's a story in Gaining by Losing that J.D. Greer recalls of a father who was really struggling with his, his daughter. His daughter was dating a guy that was moving her down in the direction that she should not have been. And he went to the pastor. He said, yeah, we've tried A, B, C, D, and E, and then some. And the pastor asked a very key question, which 
I'm glad I read this book because I never would have thought to ask that. What ministries is your family involved in? The dad couldn't name any. Couldn't name any ministries that they were serving shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm with together as father, daughter, mom, and the rest of the family. Couldn't. He said, well, that's probably the problem. The pastor said, the world is offering your daughter a more compelling story than you are. In a world she see, in the world she sees adventure and purpose here at the church, you've treated her as a receptacle of information. This is why we're participants, right? Participators. The father then decided and went home, thought through. He decided to adopt a small orphanage in Central America. Brought out a whiteboard. Started brainstorm, having the family brainstorm together. How can we serve this orphanage and make an impact? And here's the rest of the story. The family began taking trips to the orphanage, raising money together and praying together for the children. Soon, Joyner says, the bad news boy had faded from the picture and his daughter changed. There's something about when you focus on others by serving others and you do it together. We're built for community. We're built to serve. That's one way that you can develop resilience. If you are stuck in a hole today, if that is where you find yourself, if that is where you find your family, get up. Find a place. I will help you find a place to serve. I kind of know one. I don't know, Wapak Naz sound familiar? But outside of this, there are people around you. People around you. I'm going to end there. Several other ways. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But the time's coming where there's a setback. It will happen. It's life. But I hope that you and I, as the church, begin to bounce back a whole lot quicker over time by the choices you make, by people you serve, by being grateful and having gratitude. You can develop this muscle. It's in you. It is you. And you got the Holy Spirit. Let's be resilient. Let's develop that. Let's bounce back. Because the world needs people that bounce back and get up. Needs people in the ring. Needs people in the race. The kingdom of God especially needs you in the race, in the ring fight the good fight let's bounce back Heavenly Father for all of us in this room and those listening online I ask that your Holy Spirit empower us Lord help us be mindful of how we think the way we think and how we respond to adversity to difficulty are we perpetually negative? Are our tongues quick to destroy and lash out? Do we just fly off the handle with obscenities left and right? Whatever the case may be, Lord, help us develop resilience in our life. Help us see our behavior patterns. Help us choose differently by your spirit. 
Let us choose now to get up when we're knocked down. But also, Lord, help us see the things that we're grateful for, that you've done in our life over the course of a 24-hour period, no less. How good you are. How grateful we should be. And Lord, may this body, may these people begin to have the attitude of Jesus Christ where you emptied yourself. In the form of human likeness, you served. May we not just consider ourselves, but in all humility, consider others. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. It is in your precious and holy name that we ask these things today. Amen. Thank you for learning together. Thank you for being you. Thank you for loving each other. Thank you for loving people. It's who we are. If you're curious for those resources, they're right there. Would you please stand? We believe in the best comeback ever, man. May you have an awesome comeback story. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you tonight, whether it's a counter or life group. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.